Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host Jason Holzer along with my good buddy Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, good morning to you on this chilly Wednesday here in Kansas City. Crazy. I mean, it goes from <laughs> 70 to 30. Now it's back to 9, like, 8, 8 degrees. I even opened up doors this morning to let my dogs out. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, great to put my dogs out there. And now we're going to get what? Back up to 50s and 60s next week. Bring it on. Let's hey, you know what? You know what they say about the weather in the Midwest? If you don't like it, just wait a little bit. It'll change, you know? So, sure. um, well, hey, today's guest. So we have a local guy coming in, uh, former Sporting KC player, um, as well as a national – he was a national junior college All-American at Barton County Community College, and he's the scoring leader in soccer at Barton County. I think he scored something like 35 goals or something like that, 35, 34 goals for Barton County Community College. And the cool thing is, is who he is as a person – off the soccer field. I think it's a more impressive part to get into with Kevin Ellis today. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to read much on him, but he's a pretty impressive guy, Jimmy. Well, you always bring me impressive people. So, I mean, you attract <laughs> impressive people. So, no, I'm excited because uh, he's been, you know, journey to where he was able to get, you know, where a lot of people want to be playing professional sports. Um, it wasn't maybe smooth selling per se. And he had uh, you know, to me go through maybe some challenges to get there. So I love talking to people that that persevere, overcome, and achieve greatness. Yeah, we're gonna well, we're gonna go ahead and bring him on today. So uh, Kevin Ellis, uh, good morning to you, man. How you doing today? Good morning, guys. I'm uh, I'm freezing with you guys. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know the good news is though March is around the corner, so we just gotta get through these last couple days, and hopefully, like the warmer weather will start to uh, perk up, and when we turn the calendar, so. Oh, I'm, um, I'm hoping for it. We need more days like uh, like Monday. Oh, no, man. Se- 70 for, degrees. and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, getting kids outside. You know, it's, exactly. it's always better whenever you can get your kids outside for sure. That's um, for sure. Well, uh, Kevin, I want to dive right into a, a quote that I noticed that is one of your favorite, favorite. Uh, I guess it's a, it's a slang expression called swag backfire. And I never heard of that before. I thought it was interesting to get into the, your favorite expression to kind of get to people interested. Like, what exactly is swag backfire? How, where did that originate from? That originated in the locker room here in Kansas City. Uh, you know, in the in the sports world, a lot of guys, you know, they want to have swag. They call it drip. All the all these other kind of you know names that they have for it now. Um, and we just kind of thought it was funny to, uh, you know, kind of catch the guys a little off guard that you know, thought they were coming in the locker room on game days or, you know, some, some training days or whatever, when they're, when they're trying to have swag and, and call them out a little bit. So there's some funny, there's some funny stories in there. Uh, so is that like uh, almost like humble pie for people coming in with too much swag? Is that kind of what it is or what? Uh... A little bit. Um, I can, I, I think it kind of originated. There was a guy that played and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> Uh, a guy named Aurelian Collin that played here with me in Kansas City. And uh, the first day that he came to Kansas City, I think it was his first day in the U.S., um, and he came he came to training and he was wearing like these like big green like plaid cargo shorts and just like a wife beater tank top, a green backwards like fitted hat, some white Air Force Ones. And he came in and, you know, he – He'd never been in the U.S. before, and I think that he he thought that's how everybody dressed, and so he came in like thinking that he was he was in, uh, and so we kind of had to tell him, like, hey man, 
we we don't dress like that here. And he said, oh, man, I I, I watched a lot of mo- American movies. Oh. Uh, and, and, and these are how the guys dress in the movie. So I thought this is how everybody dressed in the United States. Um, but then, I mean, he went on to be – you know, one of the best dressed guys in the MLS uh, after that started a fashion line and uh, started helping other guys on the team with, with things they should wear. So well, he redeemed amazing. himself from that. It's amazing. You're talking about that. You're looking like a Joe Burrow. I and mean, Joe Burrow, now he can he can dress like the best of them, right? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> for sure. Him coming in. <laughs> That's but for I, sure. I, Kevin, I want to take you back to this. Okay, so you grew up playing soccer, my understanding, and playing in kind of the Sporting KC juniors divisions or growing up in it. But, you know, you, you get to a point, you go to a junior college. And a lot of kids, a lot of times, they're going through maybe uh, youth sports and they get to high school and they all want to play at the highest level, right? So playing at a junior college, yeah. uh, it's probably not the greatest place and it's probably not going to lead into a lot, of, a lot of bigger things for me. How did you – have the mentality to go to a junior college to work your tail off to become that junior, you know, junior college, all American, and to kind of put yourself in position to be able to play professional soccer. I mean, I I think it's, you, you kind of got to, you know, when you go to places like that and you have big dreams, you gotta, you gotta be comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, You know, you don't have, you know, you're not at a D1 program, so you don't have, you know, the nicest equipment, although they go out of their way to try to make those things the best as they can be, right? Um, you know, you just, you have to take it upon yourself to do the little things, right? That's eating right. That's, you know, maybe not going out and partying with all the guys that are going out and partying, um, you know, and going to bed on time, you know, waking up and being on time to things, going in the gym. You know, I remember being at Barton and being the only guy, you know, I, I like to think, you know, I would tell myself in my mind, I'm the only guy in junior college doing this. I'm the only guy in junior college that's in the gym at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and that kind of, that kind of pushed me that if I can be the one of, I don't know how many guys playing junior college soccer that maybe I would, I'd be the one that, that stuck out. And the one that made it. Unfortunately, you know, I, I grew up playing in the academy a little bit. So I already had some of those eyes on me, which I think goes a long way. Um, but also, I think that that would have never happened for me if I wasn't comfortable with my situation. Right. And then said to myself, I'm going to be the one guy playing in this league that's doing all of these things. When you say that, though, Kevin, I, I, I love because I tell kids a lot, like maybe they're coming to a basketball camp or they're maybe we're having a, a practice and they haven't been around me. And I'll talk to them about be comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to be yeah. doing things here maybe you haven't done before. You're going to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Look silly. Right. Sometimes you stink or say they say suck before you get really good. Can you yeah. speak to that and kind of talk about like athletes in general? Of yeah. How to get a mindset of being willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think like for for me, kind of at a young age, and I I don't I can't really put my finger on it, but I, I think at a at a young age, I mean, I had a high standard for myself um, in in playing soccer, and I took it very serious, like I did everything else. It's just kind of my nature. Um, 
that I, I want to know everything about everything. And once I do, I, I, I go all in with it. Um, and, and so doing that, like I got okay with understanding the results, right. And understanding. And like when I lost, I wanted to know why I lost. Um, and, and nobody, it's never comfortable for anybody to lose, but in losing or making mistakes, there's, there's always, there's more of an opportunity in those situations to get better than there are when you're having success, because it's easy when you're having success to just be like, Oh man, I must've done everything right. It worked out for me. Um, but when you, when you lose or you make a mistake, you know, you give, you, you know, for instance, I mean, I've probably done this a few times in my career, giving the ball away and the other team scored a goal, right? That's probably one of the loneliest feelings in soccer, right? When your mistake leads to that, but you always have the opportunity to go back and look on tape and say, why did, why did I make that mistake? Um, and that's, I think, uncomfortable for a lot of people to go back and look at the mistakes and have to re rehash out and relive those moments that are not so good. Um, and so I think that's a big, the, a big piece of it is being able to evaluate yourself in a fair way. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Kevin too, like a lot of people, you know, have a fixed mindset where they don't want to look at their mistakes. They'd rather like just push them aside and not, not, not face them, acknowledge them. How did you get to a point where you understood like, hey, these are great learning lessons and these are things that I can help me get better at as opposed to that fixed mentality of like, oh, I'd rather just keep trying, keep trying as opposed to looking at them. Where was the point where you're like, oh, I'm okay with watching myself mess up because I know that's going to help me get better the next time. What, what was that process like for you? Yeah, I mean, I kind of always relate this these kind of things to like my my faith as well right um that it's okay to make those mistakes and being okay with with making mistakes right you're not ne you're never going to be perfect and i grew up in a house um that was very faith-filled um my dad my granddad on my dad's side was a pastor um in mississippi my dad we always joke and say he should have been a pastor uh we you know we were doing bible studies in the mornings before school um, and I think like having, having that kind of background, I guess it made me okay with understanding, like we're, we're not always going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect in life or in sports. Um, and so, but I think that there's a higher, you know, a higher power, a higher thing that you want to obtain to, right? Like you want to get there. And so I think that like, and you're never going to get there unless you make changes and can evaluate yourself and how to become a better human being and a better athlete. Cause I think the human being sign comes first, right? And then you, you become a better person. You can become a better athlete pretty easily. I think. Hey, Kevin, I, I want you to dive into this because you, you spoke about it, <clears throat> you know, losing and struggling can help you learn and grow and become better. But I know a lot of times in sports in general, especially youth sports, parents can be a challenge because yeah. they want everything to work perfectly for their child. For they sure. don't want them to go through adversity, right? Yep. They're always trying to manipulate situations to make it right for their child. Can you speak to that, like to parents to help them understand 
listen, here's what you need to use sports for to help yeah. you this learning lessons that your child can learn from, even if they're going through these challenges and struggling. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parents out there that I, I think that having a realistic expectation of your, of your child's one ability, but also kind of mindset around sports. Cause not every kid, not every single kid wants to be a professional athlete, right? You know, a lot of kids play sports because they like to be around their friends, um, you know, or they, they enjoy being outside or, or they enjoy the game, but they don't, you know, I, I, I take my brother for instance, right. And my parents had, I would have a twin brother and my parents had two like kind of polar opposites on, on this side of things. Like I was sports are everything. I want to be a professional athlete from a young age to a twin brother who played all the sports that I played. Probably he's bigger than me. He's like six, three, um, six, two, six, three, just as athletic as I am, but he played sports because he wanted to be with his friends. Uh, and so there was a little bit of a balancing act there of, you know, my parents were okay with that. Right. Uh, and they never pushed him to say, Oh, you should do more, or you should take this more seriously. Um, they, they understood the mentality or the kind of the mindset that each of us had and let us and, and help foster that in a healthy way for me to be ultra competitive and for him to still be competitive, but for him to still have fun. And so I think it's really understanding the mentality of the kid, not your own mentality, because you're not, you're not the one doing it. Um, and we all know this, you can't live through your kids. That's uh, that's the worst thing to do. Um, but I think in that, like with me wanting to be ultra competitive, like after games, my parents on the way home would have conversations with me about the things that I thought I did well and the things that I thought that I didn't do so well. Um, and then it was, okay, well, you did those things well, great. How can we maybe make them a little better? And the things that you didn't do well, what do, what do you think you need to do to get better at those things, right? And then the conversation with my brother was, oh, did you have fun? Like, you know, all those things. You know what I mean? So they, kind of, they understood the, where we were at mentally with it because they knew if they pushed him that he wouldn't care. And they knew that I needed – I needed that kind of mental stimulation to start thinking instantly what kind of the plan of action was for me to get better. You know, Kevin, it sounds like your parents were really aware of, and they knew each of you really well. And so yes. it goes back to developing a better person first and then a better athlete will come as a byproduct. Yes. How did your upbringing help you like develop into a better person that way, you know, with you and your brother, it sounds like, you know, living in the same household, you guys both grew up in the same environment and it sounds like your parents focused on the person. What are some ways that we can focus on developing the child, the person first, and then allowing athletics to be a byproduct of who they become as a person? Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, like understanding kind of the mentality of the, of the kids, um, you know, and, and then, like I said before, in my house, we were very kind of, we were very faith driven. Um, so we, we all were, 
our parents expected it and we expected ourselves to live to a, a moral compass, right? We knew the things that were right. We knew the things that were wrong. Um, and we always wanted to be the best people we could be. Um, and that allowed, I feel like, I honestly feel like it allowed me to, to be a better athlete, right? A better student of the game because I felt like I was always already had the foundation of trying to be a better person. And I just kind of got to plug that into sports. Um, and like I said before, like, I think if you, as parents, you know, I have three kids too. Um, and my two older kids are starting to play sports and, you know, I, I try to focus on them being the best teammates, opponents, um, you know, students for the coaches that they can be before we even, you know, people ask me, well, are you working with your daughter at home on like technique and different things like that? I've said that that stuff comes later. Like we got to learn how to be good people in the game of sports. And then we'll focus on, on that because if, if you can't do that, I don't feel like the other stuff's ever going to work out because as you get to the, the next levels and different things like that, coaches, I feel are looking for good people, good teammates. You know, you can't bring somebody into the locker room who's going to be a cancer to the locker room and trash the culture. Um, you know, and even when I was, I, I thought about coaching at one point and I would always say like, I would rather take 12 decent players that are really good people than one superstar who, who would trash our culture. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think it goes back to, like I said, some people get caught up in like, Oh, this person's really talented or that person, like you said. Right. And they might cause dissension in the team and we're not together yeah. as one. Right. Mm -hmm. And that fragmented doesn't help really teams for that consistent success over time. But I do want to get into when you talk about like the character part of it and being better people, what are ways that you feel like, and maybe some experience you've had a coach to work with you as coach would be more intentional of teaching maybe life skills and character um, through the sport that we're coaching to help these kids become better. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the little things, right? I think it's, and it's accountability, you know? I mean, I think it's, you know, sh showing up on time for things, you know, the little things that coaches always talk about, um, you know, being good, being good sports. I just think it's like, if you remove the, the, talent slash athletic ability of people and coaches just go in and really just try to focus on the person. Right. Cause I, I think that gets lost a lot. It gets lost a ton because then I think in the youth game and I I've been around youth soccer for my whole life. Right. You know, people always want to win. People always want to win. Like we're not here to have a good time. We're here to win. And that's, that's great because winning's fun. Right. And kids, but if you if you win the wrong way, then winning means nothing, in my opinion, right? Um, it's not a – I don't feel like sports, especially at the youth level, are a win at all cost 
type of deals. Um, and it's, it, it's really, maybe I haven't thought that through of like, how, how can we teach as a coach? Cause I haven't been in that seat, right. Of how can we teach how to be good people? You know I mean? I, I think about my kids at home, right. I try to make them be accountable um, for the things that ha- they have to do and kind of understanding in sports, I mean, understanding kind of your role, right? And if you do your role and you do the things that you need to do really well with consistency, like you'll have success, right? And those are the things off the field too, right? Being good at school, listening to your parents. Um, like I said, being on time, I think it's the biggest, the biggest key. Um, and a lot of that comes down to the parents, right? Kids probably aren't late because of them. It's because of the parents. And I think the parents can help in that too, of teaching people how to be respectful, right? That's being respectful to your teammates and your coaches if you show up on time. Well, that that's uh, something you mentioned too, though, Kevin. Like you're talking <laughs> about almost coaches, we need to be an example. We yep. need the example of what we want to see. Because sometimes, yep. like you look recently with Jawan Howard at University of Michigan, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this altercation that comes, throwing a punch, yeah. right? Lose himself, and then what happens? The athletes go nuts. They go crazy. Mm-hmm. Almost a brawl takes place. To me, as coaches, we got to be better to handle sure. our emotions in certain ways so kids see that of how we handle adversity, yeah. how we handle yeah. bad calls, and how they mm-hmm. can see this example and they can become that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, you know, coaches, how you talk to referees, how you talk to other, how you talk to other coaches, um, different things like that. I mean, you see sometimes in youth games, you know, the coach is up walking the sideline and he's screaming the whole time and it just promotes chaos within the team. Um, and then the, the players are upset and yelling at the referee. And then the parents on the opposite side of the field are yelling at the referee too. Like that's not building a good environment for kids. You know, like you said, I mean, setting the, setting the example and holding yourself accountable to being that example, because I feel as a coach, you have a, you have a tremendous amount of responsibility that should never be taken lightly, especially when working with young athletes. Yeah, and I say, Jason, I'm going to jump in on something, but I, I want to mention you talked earlier about self-evaluation, yep. evaluating yourself as athletes. As coaches, we need to evaluate ourselves. Like every practice, after every game, you know, what do we do? How can we become better? Because we're not perfect, right? No. And I think we got to constantly find ways to become better and be reflective on what we're doing as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, life's always, uh, it's a never ending kind of evaluation. That's how I kind of look at it. You know, every day it's trying to be better in anything that you do, whether it's sports or it's, I don't, whatever job you have, accounting, whatever, you know what I mean? It's just, you're always trying to evolve and get better. Um, and if you don't do that within sports in a, in a landscape of every sports always progressing, um, you can get left behind pretty quick. Um, and especially in, in the, in the youth games too, like you said, I mean, I love that. What you said is as coaches evaluate yourself consistently, um, because if you are trying to be the best person you can be uh, slash example for kids, I mean, I think that you're going to see that 
pour out onto them and will translate into games. You know, Kevin, you talk about uh, mental fortitude a lot, right? I think this kind of plays in right with what you're talking about with mental fortitude. Like, what do we, we've, we've heard about mental fitness, mental health, mental resilience. How is mental fortitude a little bit different? Can you explain like how that could be helpful in us, like evaluating ourselves, players evaluating themselves uh, to develop into the best person they can be? Yeah. I mean, obviously when you think about mental fortitude, you know, you think about all the other, those other words that you said and mental strength and things like that. And for me, I always think it's like how, my ability or understanding and how to put things into perspective. Right. Uh, And I always tell myself, and I told myself this when I was playing too, it's like never get too high, but never get too low. Right. Um, That it's always, it's not saying let's be comfortable in the middle. Right. Because we're all humans and we're emotional. Right. We get high, we get low, whatever. But the key is to, How quickly can you, like for me at least, I always try to say how quickly could I bounce back from that high and come back here? Or how fast could I bring myself up from that low to kind of get back to to neutral? Um, Because obviously being in a results-based industry, I mean, everybody's kind of in that, that world, right? But where every day is is kind of measured on your physical ability. Um, if you if you get too low, you can lose it, right? And you get down in this hole where you you can never you can never get out of because, like I said, the game's always evolving. And in professional sports, it's not waiting for you, right? Um, no one's waiting around for for Kevin to bounce back from that bad game that he had um there there's millions of people out there who want that same opportunity that you have um so you i always told myself that like i said before never get too high never get too low i think it's the ability to be solidified kind of in neutral and understanding that this one could all be taken away like that. Right. So enjoying it, but also understanding that if, if this is something you want to do for a long period of time, you, you've got to be, like I said before, right. It's still being comfortable, being uncomfortable, right. (laughs) That's a big, that's a big piece to, I think being mentally stable right as strong um when that at least that's what kind of mental fortitude means to me well you think Um, about it too like being emotionally neutral i correct me if i'm wrong but you almost make you make better decisions you can focus better because you have like your next steps is that kind of what you mean by saying emotional emotionally neutral where you're not too high too low so you can make decisions more clearly you're focused um and you don't get too attached to it to emotional high or low at the same time yeah, you're not making decisions based off of emotions, right? You're able to process things. And I think in sports and the decisions that you make, especially during games, um, they're always calculated decisions, right? You have to take in a lot of information 
to be and to process that information to then make a decision, you know, because things come at you so fast, whether it's basketball, baseball, whatever it is, right? Soccer, um, the game moves a million miles per hour. Um, and so if I'm, if I just given the ball away and I'm dwelling on that bad pass, well, chances are I'm going to get the ball back in the next 30 seconds. And if I'm still dwelling on that, chances are I make another bad pass, right? Or if I'm, if I just scored a goal in the 12th minute of the game, well, dude, you got, (laughs) you got tons of time left. You can't just be comfortable saying, oh, I did, I did something that nobody expected me to do. I'm, I'm good now because you have, there's a million more actions that are going to come at you that game and you have to be able to clearly think through those, right? Hey, Kevin, on that, when you talk about like getting back to emotional neutral and the highs and the lows, what are strategies that maybe techniques that you use during games or practices or just even when you're at home after a loss and struggling that you got yourself back to neutral that you can maybe um, share with other people that can help them out as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that in in like during games, it's kind of being able to control your, I want to call it like breathing, right? Control your heart rate, um, control how you recover um, from things to be able to come back down to neutral, right? But it's also having like a short memory. You know, I, I kind of relate this. I play golf all the time now. That's like my favorite thing to do. Um, and it's funny cause I'll play with guys who are really good golfers and I'm not, I'm not that great. Um, yet, um, I can get it around out there, but we'll go and we'll, we'll talk after a round of golf and they'll bring up shots maybe that I hit on the third hole and they're talking about it. And I don't even remember them because I moved past it. Right. Like if it had happened and in the moment I enjoyed it or, tried to figure out what I did wrong. And then after that, I moved on to the next one. It was just the ability to just have a short memory, good or good, bad, or indifferent. Just being able to live in the, in the moment, I think is a big key to a big key to, to sports. Right. Um, And I think some of the best games that I played in my career, I looked back and said, like, I didn't, I didn't think during that game. You know, I was, I was living in the the moment and sometimes, you know, the natural ability and all the work that you put in during the weeks and months and years of training kind of come out in that sense. Um, because like at the same time, you can overthink situations as well. We all know that we've probably all been there. Uh, <laughs> Golly, Jason, like he said, it's the memory of the goldfish, right? Ted Lasso. Yeah, oh yeah, it's memory. Uh-huh. But how do yes. you how do you develop that goldfish memory where you know you're not beating yourself up? Oh, I made a mistake. Uh, coach is yelling at me, yank me out, or I let my teammates down, or my parents down, or somebody's gonna think less about me. And you have this inner chatter going on. Is it like you said you're breathing to get yourself back? Is it like you're rejecting certain thoughts? You're telling yourself, yeah. you're beating yourself up. Yeah, I, I think so, and I think that I. I always equate all this stuff back to, back to my 
faith, right? And and always think about like you're never going to be perfect, you know. Um, and I and I think for some people you're never going to be good enough, right? Like you always have people who are going to say you're not that good or you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that. You're always going to have that. But if you're comfortable with who you are as a person um, and kind of where you are in the moment, right? None of that stuff even matters because you're always going to make mistakes. And so you have to, you have to just be okay with that. And I, and I don't know what, what uh, I can't really put my, my finger on kind of the moment that I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay with, I'm okay with making mistakes. Um, but I think it's a, it's, it's probably repetition, right? You're always going to be uncomfortable watching yourself do something bad, right? <laughs> it's, it's never going to get easy to do, but if you, if you do it enough, it, it becomes kind of second nature. And I think it's the repetition side of just saying, Hey, you know, like I said, from a young age, like I wanted to see how I looked on the field, you know? Um, and my parents would help me with that, right? Maybe record a game here or there so I could watch myself and see that. And it was just a repetition of, <laughs> of doing that. And I think at first I probably fast forward through the bad stuff, you know, <laughs> like, Ooh, I don't want to see that. Even, even to this day, um, I think like last year during COVID sporting like replayed the open cup final when we won in Philadelphia. And uh, even like watching that game back, you know, with my kids, there were some moments where I was like, Ooh, probably shouldn't have done that. You know, like, so it never, it never gets comfortable. Um, but it's, if you, if you do it enough and you approach it the right way, that, hey, like, I know I'm going to look, you know, I'm going to look silly here. Um, but that's okay. Uh, and I think that's okay in, in sports. And it's also okay in life. When you look back at things, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody chooses the wrong things. But I think if you're, if you can live with the choices you make, because you know that you made them for the right reasons, and, and you're comfortable in that, then who cares what anybody else thinks says about you? Um, you know, kind of my, my thing is, is like, if I can, if I can please God, then I don't really, I don't really care about any, anybody, any, what anybody else has to say about me, right? God and my family, that's, I'm solid in that. Then in life, I'm, I'm solid. That's success for me. That, that feels good um remove soccer remove all those kinds of things these are the most important things for me um like i said if i'm solid and i feel like i'm doing my best in that then i can go about my life in a, in a happy way and you know kevin you mentioned faith a few times so far like you know and a lot of us have been going through unique challenges the last 24 months you know how can we train our faith muscle like to, to believe before seeing even in our most challenging moments in life, not just in COVID, but like, you know, if you live long enough, something's going to happen that might bring you to, you know, your knees or might, you know, make you question like, why would God have me go through this? So in your experience, how is Jason, can I also too, as you mentioned that before, you yeah. ask that, Kevin, 
I wanted to also, as, as Jason's saying that, like you go back when you're 19 years old, I think it was, like you were maybe playing professional travel and your mom, I think she died of a heart attack or I had a stroke and it was like the age of 47, right? Yeah. yeah. That was kind of a sudden deal. So as Jason's sure. saying, that, if going through challenges, even speaking of that, how did you get through that? Yeah, I mean, 100% through faith, um, through prayer, through, you know, reading – reading scriptures, uh, you know, like, of course, no one ever wants to lose a parent or anybody who's close to them. Right. But I have such a strong faith that I, I know in my heart that my mom is in a better place. Right. And that she was suffering when she was here and now she's not anymore. And so that, that made it okay for me. Right. And I think it's those years and years of, of, you know, with my family, um, the Bible studies and all that kind of stuff that we did and understanding that there's a, <clears throat> there's an expiration date on everyone. Right. We don't know what that is. Um, but coming to terms with that personally, um, you know, with yourself. And then once you can do that, like you understand, like that's going to happen to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, it doesn't make it easier by any means. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, there's still days I struggle with that. You know, a lot of people do. Um, but I think it's just continuing to put the trust in God and following his plan. Right. And not questioning it because, I mean, of course you're going to be like, well, you know, and I've heard many people say this, you know, if God's real, why would he have me go through this? You know? Um, And, and I always view that as God doesn't necessarily, I, my personal belief, right. Is he doesn't give things at the wrong moments things don't happen at the wrong moments right um and i believe that there's a there's a there's a greater plan out there and he gives you things and things happen when they're supposed to and when you're i I guess i don't know how to say it right like (laughs) when you're maybe not ready for it but when maybe you you need to be, I guess what I'm saying, or there's a, there's a greater lesson there or there's, Hey, maybe you need a little bit of strength right now. Um, and I, I, I found it like, like I said, it wasn't easy for, for me when my mom passed away because we were so close, but understanding that there's a greater plan and a greater purpose, I believe for all of us, um, that it, it didn't make it, I I don't want to say it made it okay. Cause that doesn't sound right. Right. But it, it made me okay with the, the plan and the process and, and the, the prayer. Like I was at peace more than anything. Um, and I, and I think like God gave me that because I needed to be the strength for my, my siblings. Um, and you know, even my grandparents in that moment too. Um, and to, to bring everybody 
back together and back around God, right? Um, and and that, Kevin, I can relate, man. Like, cause I, you know, I lost my dad at seventeen. It was, you know, some days you're just trying to make it through the moments, right? And you're sure. learning to accept. Yeah, yeah. You learn like it's it's a new normal. So like over sure. time, you learn to accept what it is, and then you're like, how can I use this situation to build purpose in my life? How can I do that? Yep. To, you know, find my what does God want me to do with this? Like I've been presented with this situation. It's painful. It's hard at first. You know, it does. It, it never really fully gets easy per se, but it does get uh-huh. easier the more you cling to your faith. The more you realize, like, man, I don't understand this. This is this really was like I, you never want to lose your parent or a loved one, but you're like, how can I take For this sure. this moment and flip it and create a positive where it's like an example of faith for others? Because if yes, you can make it through something like that and be an example of faith that hey, life will eventually get better, then other yeah. people think that they can do it as well. Is that kind of what yeah. uh, you've experienced? Uh, that, yes, that, that's 100%. Like I wanted to, and, and especially like for my, for my brother, for, for my family is to everything that I kind of did in that moment, I wanted to, it to like radiate God in that. Right. Um, you know, in, in, in prayer and checking in and just, you know, maybe just reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, I love you. Right. Um, just like you said, just wanting to hopefully be an example to say like, Hey, you know, if I come a little closer to God, it helps. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it allows, it allows you to heal a little bit. Um, and it gives, it gives, you know, the, that experience, I think more, more purpose and more meaning. Right. Well, and too, Kevin, you know, I don't know about you, but like, I still feel like even though my dad isn't physically here with me, I still feel his presence spiritually because we're spiritual beings, you know, that's what we believe in in a faith, you know? And so it's like, sometimes I feel like, you know, with your, with, you know, loss of a loved one, they can almost be more help for you and guidance. If you're able to listen, you know, with your prayer life and ask for guidance, like they can almost give you more insight than if they were still physically here. Um, I don't know if you've experienced similar things, but I know for myself, I feel like sometimes my dad was, you know, guiding me certain ways or, you know, giving me some help through God that maybe totally had if he was here, you know? So, um, totally agree. Even, you know, and I, I tell people this story and it kind of seems made up a little bit, but even, um, the, the way in which I met my wife, um, was, my wife and I sit back and talk about this. And even my brother too, it's just like, Kevin, was that Southwest flight 876, right? That was the Southwest flight. Yeah, it was. Um, And, you know, I've kind of told this story before that I used to tell my mom, like, I I would love to meet somebody on an airplane because I think it's the most (laughs) genuine place you can meet somebody because you have no idea where they're going and where their end destination is, where they're coming from, what they do. You, you have no idea of those, of any of those things. Um, and so I would always joke with her, um, you know, maybe I'll meet my wife on this trip. Maybe I'll meet my wife on this trip. And I would always go by her house and see her before heading to the airport. Cause it was on the way for me. 
Um, and I always like leave and joke with her like, Hey, you know, you never know. Maybe I'll meet my wife on this, this trip. And this was literally the next trip I took after my mom passed away. I met my wife on an airplane. Um, and so we always, we always say like, that was 100%, you know, God and my mom up there, you know, <laughs> make, making a way, make, making this happen. It's something I have a question for the both of you, Jason and Kevin is Kevin. I know you mentioned like sports helps you get through some of these challenging times, losing your mother. What, what could you speak to maybe like, what could teammates, how can coaches help someone like both of you that have went through this experience in sports what could they do to really help you through this? Yeah, I don't know. Jason, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Guess first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I would say as, as teammates, and I've been a teammate of someone who has gone through – I've had another teammate who's gone through kind of a similar situation that I did. Um, and it's just being present for me. You know, when I had teammates that were just there for me, just present, just say, hey, like, are you good? Um, or, hey, I'm just going to come over and let's just hang out, right? Let's watch TV. Let's watch this game. Let's let's play FIFA or let's play Madden or something like that, right? It's just, just being present um, is the number one thing for me. It's not even saying, hey, do you want to talk about this? Or, hey, I've been through the same situation. It's not that stuff. It's just saying, hey, I'm here. Um, whenever you're ready or whenever you you need me, just let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped me a ton. And I had a bunch of teammates like that. I was I was blessed to have that, um, have a really good locker room and have teammates who kind of were just present for me. I think uh, to piggyback on what Kevin said, I think it's like, hey, are you, you know, asking questions like, hey, are you hanging in there today? <laughs> You know, are you, you know, just just being curious and being present and then even like, you know, checking in with them, you know, if the, if you know about the time that they passed away, like, you know, and then when they lost one, hey, checking in with them on those moments, maybe during holidays and that kind of thing, because those are typically the toughest moments whenever, you know, you realize like these are coming up, like similar type memories of, of good things. And um, but like you mentioned, just being present and not trying to fix it. Right. There's nothing that you yeah. can say or do that would, that would quote unquote fix it. Um but, you know, often like, hey, I know one of your favorite things to do is go out and, put, and shoot some hoops. You want to go shoot some hoops? Like just something like they can just get your mind off of things and kind of, you know, make life feel like it was, like it's normal. Like, like it's, you know, yeah. it's a, just a sense of like something that you enjoy doing to get your mind off of it. I think it's probably one of the more helpful things that helped me too. So, um, Kevin, man, you know, we, uh, we really appreciate you coming on today. And we always finish the the uh, segment with the four questions with 40 athletes. So these are lightning round questions to, to get a last little bit of insight from our guests. So All right. first, first one is this. In your opinion, what does it mean to win in the game of life? Yeah, for me, like I said, it's it's uh, being solid in the things that truly matter to, to me, right? And that's my faith and my family. And I feel like that if I'm solid – and I and I'm doing my best in those things. Um, 
then there's kind of no other amount of success that outweighs that. And then, uh, you know, it, it being uh, Black History Month too, um, you know, celebrating the the pioneers, the leaders uh, of our of our Black community. I get, I was curious about this. If you could spend time with anyone you admire uh, in sports, alive, passed away, um, who would you pick, and why would you choose them? And then, in a, a who is a who is a leader that's a Black leader that's been somebody's been highly influential in your life that's made a difference for you personally well it's 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 cool that you bring that up because the person that i would i would want to spend time with would be jackie robinson Mm. um just because i i mean i loved baseball growing up um and i honestly want to know how in the heck he made it through all the things that he had to deal with um and you know that was kind of leads into the other thing that was kind of always an inspiration for me you know kind of his story and all the things that he had to deal with and to say like hey if a if a guy like that could make it through in a time like that um you know we got to count ourselves blessed to be where we are now um yeah. you know kind of kind of in the world and in in the sports community too um you know it it really kind of puts things into perspective of how far we've come as a country um from from these times where a guy like jackie robinson had to fight his way who was you know one of the best at what he did but never got an opportunity i'm sure there were tons more of people like him you know males and females who never got the opportunity just based on the color of their skin and you know to kind of see where we are now um it's it's and i know over the last couple years it it hasn't looked that way right but i think like in a sense we have to be proud of where we've come from those times and just continue the momentum right not let anything kind of you know the talk and whatnot derail us from from where we need to be um you know and like i said in the world and in uh in sports well you think about it too like you know he was a pioneer for not just baseball but like all sports like open door for you know so that's a, a true testament to him and i yeah. agree man we we're not where we need to be but we are a lot better um, yes, and, and more and more inclusive than where we were 50 years ago. And I think 100%. you mentioned Kevin being proud of where he came from, but also knowing we can get better. We can constantly yeah. get better. Let's not stay the same. Let's get yeah. new levels as well. And um, I think it's like what we talked about earlier, right? Is being able to evaluate where yeah. we were, but we don't we don't get we don't get to the next level unless we understand the history behind of where we came, right? Um, so I think in the world, you know, we got to be careful of you know, not, not, uh, dismissing history, mm-hmm. um, in the quest to be a better nation. What's, uh, what's the best advice you ever received from a coach you've played for or worked for? Um, one of the things that always stuck out for me, uh, was from a coach I had named Paul Rideout, um, who, who played in, in the English premier league for a while and 
he kind of he told me one time that you know great leaders don't always have to be the guys that get everyone hyped up before the game and all those kinds of things but they're the guys that understand their roles and responsibilities and execute them to the best ability to the best of their abilities um, and i kind of took that to heart that I was never going to be the guy that was yelling and screaming before games or whatever, but I always hoped that I could let, you know, my understanding of kind of where I was in the pecking order of things, right, um, you know, be kind of a, a leadership quality for other guys. Yeah. And then the last question is, if you had like one life skill or character trait you're, you're having a team, maybe recruiting players to play for it, you're coaching it, or your business, recruiting people to come and work for you. And again, you had one life skill character trait these individuals could have. What would it be and why? Uh, humility. Um, and I, and I, always go, I always go back to it. I think we've said it a bunch of times, right? It's being able to evaluate yourself, right? And being able to be, being able to be honest with yourself about your performance in sports and in business and in life and um, being able to develop a, a path, a pathway of how to get better. And, uh, well, hey, Kevin, man, uh, thank you again for, for joining us today. Um, how can people learn more about the things that you're doing? Uh, where can I find you on social media? Um, and, uh, yeah, where, the, yeah, where, the, where can the, we find the you? Main, the main place would be uh, on Instagram. Uh, my handle's at kevellis4. Um, and I'm, I'm working on a lot of cool things um, that I can't wait to share uh, with people here over the next few months. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then hopefully we can, we can reconnect again once all that stuff kind of comes out um, and uh, be able to share that with you guys and, and the rest of the world. Absolutely, Kevin. Looking forward to it, man. Well, again, thanks for joining us today. Have a great Wednesday and uh, stay warm out there, man. Oh, I will. I'll try. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. All right, Jim. Well, uh, you know, in our 40 after this program, we actually have a week dedicated to mental fortitude where we talk about being relentless and unstoppable. Um, you know, and in times like this where, you know, adaptability is key, changing on the fly. Um, that's maybe a, a skill that's probably going to be essential as ever as we go forward in the near future. So, Jimmy, can you tell us a little more about where they can learn more about our 40 Athletes program? Yeah, they can go to 40athletes.com. And like I said, they can find the different uh, courses and information we have on there that can help people. But also, too, if you have a team, uh, organization, sports organization, you, know, you can book a, a call that we can get a discovery call with you show you how we can kind of partner with you to help your athletes win the game of life. And actually, Jason, you've kind of talked to me now. You have a relentless, unstoppable basketball team. It's been like down by 15, 20 points in the fourth quarter, like four straight games. And you keep their minds right. And you have four comeback wins. So there you go. Four comeback wins of 10 plus, man. And scored 20 points in four minutes, man, one time. So that's right. It's uh the hair approach, not necessarily or the tortoise approach, not necessarily the hair. Just keep at it, man. That's right. So, keep them believing, right? That's Stay right. Relentless. Stay with that it. Ted Lasso approach, you know what I mean? So all right, Jimmy. Well, enjoy your rest of the day, man. Likewise. Thanks, Jason.